Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. The 76ers had a challenging week. We sift through some of the things we saw. Tobias, he's got a leg on everybody, and he jams the ball. And now Mike Budenholzer takes timeout. We react to round two against the Bucks and break down what could be to come in round three. Here's Maxi in the lane. Maxi with a lane. Up and good. Tyrese Maxi right at Devin Booker. And talk about some encouraging signs from a few guards off the bench, Tyrese Maxi and George Hill. And speaking of George Hill, there's one of us here on the pod who some people out there say he looks like. All of that on this week's Friday Deep Dive. Guys, I know what the reality is, but I have to ask. Would it be too much for us to see some of these recent matchups with both teams at full strength? I don't mean to gripe or complain, but I want to see it. I felt like I had a tolerance and a threshold for it the first couple times. I was like, okay, Brooklyn... All right, Clippers, all right. This Eastern Conference stuff, I want to see it. I want to see it. I think it's hard when you get to the end of the season and you want to see good basketball because I wonder sometimes how mutually exclusive end of season and good basketball are. Um, I think, obviously, the Sixers took ownership over what's gone on these last three games, but I think you can't avoid the fact that Games without Ben Simmons, there's a huge hole. Games without Tobias Harris, huge hole. Games on the second night of a back-to-back on the road against a rested team creates a hole. It just, yeah, it's it's been, there's been a lot of buildup for this period. And then to not really get to see any of it at full strength on either side, a bummer. A bummer. And what's the focus from either side when it comes to getting gearing up for the postseason? knowing that for a majority of this year, you've had people in and out of the lineup, whether it was COVID-related or just a simple injury, illness, whatever it might be, the approach might be a little bit different for each game. And well, as Lauren, you just mentioned, the second night of a back-to-back for your home team and then the other team may be well-rested. So there are a lot of different factors that play into it. I think I would have, like you two, would have liked to have seen them go up against someone in the Eastern Conference at full strength so you can get a better sense of who
who the teams are. Uh, but I, I guess we have to now wait until the postseason when they match up in the quarters, semis, or Eastern Conference Finals. I also want to make it totally clear, I get it. I totally 100% get it. If I were running a team, if I were a player, and I saw some of the injuries as of late, it would be hard not to be a little bit spooked. Like, it's crushing to see a Jamal Murray go down. Trey yeah. Young, thankfully for him, doesn't seem like it's a long-term injury. Same thing for Donovan Mitchell. I totally get it. I think it's just an unfortunate reality and dynamic of this season. I'm glad there's basketball first and foremost. I love that. I think this is just a first-world problem of me complaining. I feel like I don't complain a lot. It's just longing and yearning for what could be. But the games have been entertaining for the most part still. It's not like there's been a lack of quality, competitive games. I also think when it's your job to discuss what's going on and, and you don't get to discuss the, the storylines that are right there for you, it, it, you're more likely to have complaints. I think that's reasonable. But I do think we all agree, Seltz, you alluded to it just now, the one seed doesn't mean a heck of a lot if you're not healthy. Neither does the two seed nor the three seed. And I think that all the teams that are currently jockeying or allegedly jockeying for that one seed <laughs> would agree that health has got to be so much more important. And, and as long as the Sixers continue to prioritize that, I mean, you can't knock them for it. We take a look at the Bucks, and to me, this is such an intriguing team. I feel like they've been flying under the radar this season. Do you guys agree with that before we even get into anything else? They've kind of gone a little bit under-discussed. Yeah, the storyline is not as as exciting as the Brooklyn Nets and their three superstars that they have assembled in Brooklyn and, of course, here in Philadelphia with the fact that you have an MVP candidate and a team that surrounds him with an all-NBA-level player, all-star-level player in Ben Simmons, the same for Tobias Harris, all-star caliber player, and everyone else that's going around, new head coach, the storyline is just simply better with those two teams. And they just simply fly under, flying under the radar, getting healthy. Drew Holiday, also a new addition to their team, was out because of the COVID, uh, COVID-19 and the health and safety protocols. And now they're starting to round into form. So they've just quietly gone about their business and stay within distance as these last couple of weeks have become really, really important for the seating. Well, month, really the last uh, month that we have in front of us, uh, Milwaukee, you, you have to pay attention. They've had the best record in the Eastern Conference for the last two seasons. Uh, seems like they've gotten better. Now, how much better, we'll, we'll find out. I do think that's part of why they've flown under the radar, though, right? Finishing at the top of the East the last couple of years, having the MVP the last couple of years, and then underperforming in the playoffs, it's something that the Sixers aren't a little bit unfamiliar with when you when you look at what they've accomplished in the regular season versus what they've accomplished in the postseason. I think maybe there's a little bit of regular season fatigue with the Bucks when it comes to national narrative and, and the way that people talk about different teams and the Bucks probably like it that way. It's, it's as, as Sixers fans and, and people within Sixers culture know, it's not always great to have such high expectations. And I do think that the Bucks have, have been um, part of that mold for the last couple of years and, and where they stand on the radar, as you said, Celts might be a result of that. Doc Rivers made a great point after the game on Thursday. The 76ers lost that one, 124-117. They made it interesting down the stretch because of a lopsided fourth quarter after the Bucs blitzed them right out of the gate. And Doc said that in a matchup against the Bucs, the absence of Ben Simmons defensively becomes even that much more glaring. And I would agree. So as far as how you interpret what the Sixers were able to do against the Bucs on Thursday and 
Who knows if Ben's going to play on Saturday? Um, what to make of that? I don't know. I think for me, very surface level, my takeaway from this two-game series isn't even necessarily going to be who wins or who loses. It's going to be that the Bucks are a really good team. I think they're designed really well. I think they could present some matchup problems. They can really stretch the floor on offense. We saw that with what Brooke Lopez did in the game on Thursday, and they've added some really, really good pieces. And like Drew Holiday, he showed that even if he's not scoring a bunch, there's a lot of other stuff that he can do to impact the game. Absolutely. And and I do think that they create some at least some intriguing matchup situations as far as the defensive assignments go. How much will the Sixers switch off and pass uh, players to the next? Uh, if Simmons is out there, how much of a difference does he make? I, I think he does make a huge difference. And we saw that Thursday night where maybe you would have liked to have seen Embiid on Giannis and instead sl- sliding Ben Simmons over to Brooke Lopez where you can close out a little harder. You can, he's a little more under control. He's able to figure out different ways because Brooke Lopez is simply not going to put the ball on the floor if Ben Simmons is closing out on him. He's going to now have to make a decision on where the ball is now going to be passed to or if he's going to fire that shot up. Uh, at all. So uh, it is intriguing. Um, I'm looking forward to now the adjustments that are made in, in Saturday's matchup, Saturday afternoon. It's always tough to play a team the second time around. The way that they shot the basketball, can that be duplicated? Because at the end of the day, the Sixers shot the ball pretty well. It was the three point discrepancy that really hurt them in the long run. So, how much of a difference does Simmons make? Hopefully, we find out on Saturday. The offensive efficiency that the Bucks had in that game, really, it was insane. <laughs> I mean, they made the first <laughs> 10 shots. Yeah. It was out of control. And I think that in the early going, listen, when Giannis is out there, he's affecting a game because you have to pay attention to him. But it was some of the other guys for the Bucks that really stepped up and made an impact. Chris Middleton, first quarter, 10 points, 4 for 4 from the field. Giannis scored 8. Brooke Lopez made his impact and presence felt. Uh, in the second quarter. And then you had Bobby Portis off the bench. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bobby Portis, five five for five from deep. Not exactly what you necessarily prepare for going into Milwaukee and and probably not sustainable. Knockwood, of course, with the team playing, the team's playing again on Saturday, but the efficiency was, was through the roof. They were well rested. The Sixers were not, of course, Some of those things you can't sustain, but if the Sixers are without Ben Simmons again, they're going to be challenged again when it comes to stopping Giannis. I look forward to another matchup between the two teams. I think it'll probably be a little bit closer than the the first one was, but the Sixers still didn't really get a ton of rest before this one, given the fact that it's going to be a day game. They can't really catch a break with the schedule this week. Doc Rivers alluded to it following Thursday's game. no coaches ever want to admit, I don't think, to, to schedule losses, but I do think that, that Doc has some ground to stand on when he talks about how difficult the schedule this week has been. And, and I know that it's a team that's going to look forward to coming right back home to Philadelphia, regardless of the outcome of Saturday's matchup. Sure. Uh, a tough one there in Milwaukee. And you're right, the turnaround is rather quick. And if you are now going to implement Simmons, if he's available for Saturday, Game two for Tobias Harris. Good to see him back out there on the floor. So maybe his legs are underneath him. He's a lot fresher. He said he doesn't feel much pain. So that's great to hear uh, right now as we get ready to gear up for this matchup on Saturday afternoon. So you're right. Schedules, it's how it goes, right? It it is how it goes. 13 games remaining. After this one, I'm not going to say it's easy, but you can look at situations where there are winnable games for the team 
with the number one seed still in sight in the Eastern Conference. No doubt about it. I think it was great to see Tobias, especially in the third quarter. It seemed like he really mm-hmm. found his stride, scored 12 points during the third. It's also been talk about a tough back-to-back given how the teams played him. For Joel Embiid going up against Phoenix and then the Bucks, two teams that were so aggressive on him, um, really didn't let up much at all, played him physical, played him tough. And I think he still managed to hold his own in both those games. I mean, they, neither of those teams made it easy on him. Again, shorthanded without both Harris and Simmons against Phoenix and then coming back without Simmons, but Harris returning, having a good third quarter. But but again, getting his legs back underneath him after missing so much time. Embiid was phenomenal. Of course, the 38-point performance, what was it, 24 on Thursday night against Milwaukee. So, sure, he's still going to be himself. You need others to help out. Shake Milton with the 20 off the bench in that game. Uh, Danny Green performed well uh, against Phoenix, uh, Matisse Thibel, Tyrese Maxey. But again, just simply not enough when you are missing some key contributors to the team to take down these top teams. These are not just pushover teams. These are teams that are still fighting for things. Phoenix is fighting for a top spot uh, in the Western Conference overall. And Milwaukee, as we talked about, they're creeping up in the standings still at number three. But as we stand here today, two and a half games from first place with the 76 or so, everyone's fighting for something whether they want to admit it or not when you're out there you're going to compete and they're competing i know people snickered at the comment that Giannis made post game on tnt well people being people who follow the 76ers when Giannis said he was treating it like a playoff game i buy it i kind of buy it they have to it's a big series win for them and now they have a chance to just gain another game I was cool with coming into it like a playoff game. My confusion came with it felt like a playoff game because so as long as as long as it felt like it on the outset. I mean the Sixers were on on way way less rest. That doesn't happen in the playoffs. The Sixers were without Ben Simmons in all likelihood. That doesn't happen in the playoffs. So I'm not sure I was buying that the in-game competition was very playoff like, but I do understand why the stakes felt high for the Bucks and, and it's an achievement. Anytime you beat the top team in your conference, it's an achievement. Yeah, for them it, maybe it was because as you just pointed out that that was their approach. Their approach is to now get the home court advantage if they could, number one overall seed. Sure, you still have to leap Brooklyn to get to Philadelphia, and Philadelphia has to cooperate to lose that spot. But, yeah, they have to. And to take the season series, as Brian alluded to, that's important for them. I mean, hey, we wanted to see the Sixers split it last night to make sure that you set up Saturday's game for you to win that season series matchup as well. So I get it. I buy it um, because let's not forget about the little – little rivalry that is there between Giannis and either Embiid or Simmons with how he approaches things with those two teams. So, so I buy it a little bit because they are trailing and they're, they're playing against the top dog. Looking back at a theme from this past week, um, something I did want to get into was the bench backcourt. Let's start with Tyrese Maxey. There were a couple themes and storylines from the reserve backcourt. We'll get into George Hill uh, in a little bit. Tyrese Maxey. Had some stuff to say this past week in terms of how he played on the court. Very encouraging, I thought. 
Yeah, no doubt. And Tyrese is a guy that ask anyone and they'll say how he really has been putting in the work since the day he got to Philadelphia, since well before he got to Philadelphia. He works out on every off day, whether or not he played the day before. And and to say that he's working out every off day this season is no small feat with the incredible lack of rest time these guys have. He loves to hoop. He's in the gym early. He's in the gym late. And he's stayed ready for opportunities like the ones he had this week. And then he capitalized on them. And that's really all you can ask for from a rookie that's playing on a really, really good team. Yeah, I was going to say, does it look like he's put on weight to you a little bit in his upper body? Yeah, it looks like it looks like he has added a little bit of muscle up there. And, you know, they're constantly working out. Sometimes you really can't see it throughout the season because of playing and then losing things. But the, the muscle mass, it looks like there is, seems a little bit stronger obviously needs to get a lot more stronger as a young player uh, coming out of college and stepping into to the NBA. But yeah, he does. I, I, I've noticed the, the exact same thing. And for him to be ready when his number is called, knowing that he's been sitting for so long out of the rotation and to come in and now starting to, again, as we talked about with Harris, get his feet underneath him. Now Maxi is starting to get his feet underneath him. And the way I approach this is, while I don't know, not sure how you two feel about this or the listeners and the viewers, but there are times when coaches decide to go deep into their bench for spot minutes. And if the rotation is eight or nine, and of course you have that nine and 10 that can still contribute, maybe Maxi is showing Rivers and the coaching staff something where if he needs to call his number at some point in the first round and he performs well, then maybe the confidence is there for him to again call his number in the semifinals against a team that we would expect to be a little bit better. So for him to go out there and continue to be a professional, continue to work when he's not playing and now producing when he is out there on the floor, it's encouraging. Biggest thing for him right now is showing that he can be reliable, dependable. And I think for him, he's one of the guys who has the most at stake right now on this roster over the final three and a half to four weeks of the season. I feel like some other things are starting to fall into place. You can see who might be called upon in what spots in the postseason. But it seems like there could be an opportunity for Tyrese because he's got a skill set that, amongst the other guys playing that position, they don't have for the Sixers. No doubt. And and he knows it, and, and he's not afraid of any matchup. And we said that from the beginning. His first couple games, it was clear that it didn't matter who the opponent was. He was ready to just... Go for it. Drive through traffic. Drive up against bigger guys. He's so unafraid. He's so willing to do whatever it takes, whatever the team needs. And his attitude is just excellent. It's been really cool to to watch him grow a little bit and, and find his footing as the year's gone on. Not afraid. He went right at Giannis and made him up. Bobby Portis, well, be it Bobby Portis, they get the block. He's not afraid. Again, he trusts what his skill set is. And when he's able to get that, that layup package going high off the glass or the one where he has a little bit of spin on it to, you know, to, to bank it off the glass and, and in that, that stuff works out. Now guys would be much quicker and more physical in the postseason, but if he can get that step on him, he may have the advantage if he's able to put his body into theirs and draw the contact in the foul. Cause we know how tight things get in the half court in the postseason. Mm-hmm. a guy who I know that we've all talked about separately, who Seemed like he could have been a weapon in breaking defenses down. Just didn't happen last year because the series and the matchup didn't allow. But you know, you think the type of presence someone like an Alec Burks could give you. And I'm not saying that Tyrese and Alec Burks are the same player, but 
there's no question that Tyrese in the half court can throw a defense off. He can find a way to hit a hole, get to a basket, make something happen. I'd like to see him shoot it the way he did the game against the Bucs. He went two for four from three. He's now in double figures, three straight games going to Saturday. That's his second longest double figure streak of the season. He looks confident shooting that three too, which is cool. He, he was a little bit more reluctant to shoot him at the beginning of the season. Maybe he wasn't sure if, if that's what really he was going to be relied upon for, but whether or not he's shooting them at a higher volume, to me, it looks like he's, t- he's shooting them with a lot more confidence, um, understanding that, that, when he has the shot, he can take the shot and he can make the shot. And that's going to be huge for this team, whether it's now in a couple months or in a couple of years. And even with the catch and shoot, not creating for himself, but if someone is driving to the basket, whether it be Hill or Milton Simmons and kicking the ball out, catching and shoot, catch ready, shot up. The shot is not flat. looks like you have a good amount of arc on it and it's starting to go in. So once that happens, as you know, uh, you you start to just regain that confidence, and, and that's good to see from a young player. In addition to the reemergence of Tyrese Maxey this past week, we also saw the first emergence, at least as a 76er, of George Hill. Great subplot. I liked it. I like what I saw. Obviously, he seems to be knocking off more and more rust physically with each passing game after missing more than about two months. Thought it looked really mm-hmm. good in the game against the Suns on Wednesday night in the front end of the back. Back. Yeah, no doubt. I thought the the quickness with which he got ready to perform as well as he did against Phoenix on Wednesday was really impressive. Um, that night, of course, two for two from three, ended up with 11 points and two assists, but he looked really comfortable for a guy that had taken, he calls it three months off, it was somewhere between two and three months off, and he looked very comfortable. It was very clear why he was added to this team on both ends of the floor, and I think people, of course, were nervous about about how quickly he'd be able to come back from injury, and I think he sort of put those doubts at bay rather quickly in these in these first three games. He just He's a consistent veteran. He's everything people said that he would be. You know what I mean? Comfortable is key for me when you say that, Lauren, because not just comfortable for him, but comfortable for me when I'm watching. I feel at ease when he's out there on the floor, knowing that he's, you know, he's, he's under the controls uh, of the offense, having the ball in his hands, and even comfortable defensively. So if we have questions about anybody else defensively at the uh, guard position. He's not one of them, and he's experienced. We've talked about all of this before knows what it's like to play on a big stage. He's been in the titles, title games, and he has performed well. So I, I cannot, I, I can wait because I, I gradually want to see how it progresses. But it's good to see that they've added this type of veteran. This is what we, we've been talking about. This is what we wanted to see. And while we're not making him out to be, you know, the superstar player, we're talking about a team overall. And he fits into the team concept and with what they need. And uh, his performance against Phoenix, and even Milwaukee, albeit you know some struggles, and it, it kind of got out of hand quickly as we talked about. You you can see it. I feel comfortable with him on the floor. To me, it's intriguing offensively because let's say you had him out there with another reserve guard, whether it's Tyrese Maxey or Shake Milton. I think with those guys, you know, if if it's either George and Shake or George and Tyrese. Either one could initiate if you wanted. Either one mm-hmm. could play off the ball if you wanted. But going back to something that you referenced, Devon, I think it's defensively, that's when you're like, okay, I need a guy who's been through it to go up against 
Steph Curry for a little bit, like what we saw in the game on Monday, or I need him to take on a Drew Holiday or a Chris Middleton or a Devin Booker or how, Chris Paul, however you want to yeah. scheme it up, wherever you think you, you need to put a more seasoned defender. Harry Irving. Exactly. Yes. I mean, that's where it seems like defensively where the Sixers can maybe try and neutralize um, what could have been potential matchup issues a little bit. And I'd just add, as I often do, clearly another great veteran leadership presence in the locker room. We heard guys talking about his vocal leadership or advice that he was giving on the bench way before he even joined the team. This week, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Theibel both gave him a lot of credit for being in their ear, helping them gain advantages in the games he wasn't playing in, and then how excited they were to add him to the rotation on the floor. So cool that he could come in at this point in the season, make a positive impression on the on the young guys and the veterans alike, and then make that positive impression on the court as well. I guess the big question that we cannot let go unanswered, at least in this form, is does George Hill look like Devon Givens? Is there some doppelganger activity happening there? <laughs> So, uh, typically, right when you when you're someone says you look like anyone, you're you're like, nah, they don't look like me. And look, I understand features, long face maybe, and facial hair and <laughs> the light skin, uh, maybe. But I, I I don't know. And I've heard this for over a year and a half now uh, at the station, and now that he's actually here. So as I sent you the, <laughs> when he first suited up for the team, I sent you the, all the Twitter notifications that I received asking if it was me that was actually playing. So yeah, I, I guess, guess we'll have to speak to George Hill. He and I are going to have to do a little sit down yes. side by side. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's my new brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure yeah, if I could have so. seen it before. I might see a little bit of it. I don't know. I sent it to my kids. They were like, I don't know that. I don't think so. <laughs> so that, that's, that's, that's my, that's my barometer right there. Lauren, Lauren, you're quiet on this. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> we're just ducking here. I think it's, I, think it's I don't really see it. <laughs> Good. Good. Not that I don't. I mean, you, you enumerated the features that you could draw comparison to. Sure. But I don't think I really see it. Maybe just because I was watching a lot of George Hill film over the last few days that I feel like I've now seen both of you enough times in, in close right. proximity that I don't see it. I mean, I don't hate it. I don't know. I just don't. I don't see it either. Yeah. yeah. There, there you go. Look. Yeah. Not a bad looking guy or anything. So I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> but, you know. So. He should <laughs> be flattered. Come on. George should be flattered. That's right. That's right. I'm the oldest anyway. So, you know, he's the, he's the younger brother. I'll say this. I think that if if the facial hair weren't there, and I'm not suggesting that you ditch your facial hair, I'm not sure if people would draw the connection, as close of a connection. I think that's – I would agree. That's fair. I feel like that's, that's kind of what's drawing people in. Yeah. Well, hey, Sixers folks, our family, set this up so we can talk, <laughs> George and I. All right, Rob, get on it. That's right. Paging <laughs> Rob King. We have to do it. Paging Rob King. Yeah, all of you guys. Um, guys, we could spend, I think, forever talking about who doppelgangers are. My last question <laughs> before we wrap it up for this week, Ben Simmons, let's bring it back to him. Would we expect things to be different? How much? If so, 
should he play in round three between the Sixers and Bucks on Saturday? Well, Ben's been excellent against Giannis lately, and and that was the biggest hold to me. Celtic, you and I talked about it pregame last night or on Thursday night. Um, who was going to guard Giannis and, and who could do it for an extended period of time. And given the options, Doc Rivers didn't want to put Tobias on him right away. In his first game back, Joel Embiid had playing in a back-to-back. There's plenty of bigs that he had to worry about. Ben's ability to slow Giannis down is, is the, the thing that I think the team missed most in that first game. And of course, wouldn't miss should should Ben be available. But I think people can't forget that he was not available in that one. And if he is available and these teams do come together in the playoffs, it, it's going to be a totally different story. And keep in mind the first matchup, Joel Embiid didn't play. So, so we really haven't seen anything even close to what Sixers Bucks should look like. And maybe we'll get treated to it down the road. And, and not just that, of course, with Giannis being the key. Also, as I mentioned earlier, uh, switchability with uh, Brooke Lopez and also Chris Mills. Uh, when certain matchups are out there, if if if, um, if Brooke Lopez is off the floor and maybe they go a little smaller, DiVincenzo comes into the game. Oh, pardon me, DiVincenzo is already getting Pat Connaughton comes into the game. Uh, Bryn Forbes, however they decide to go. Bobby Portis even that Simmons can still maybe switch over and slow Middleton down as well since he's such an important part. So round three, Saturday, I hope we do see him. He's never on a minute's restriction, and I hope he has all of his fluids, you know, the illness that he has. Make sure he's good to go because it's going to be a matchup out there, and uh, quite frankly, it would be nice to see them pick up a W against the Milwaukee Bucks because this will be the last time that uh, we would see those these two teams face off until the postseason. Well put, per usual, on all fronts, whether we're talking about matchups, doppelgangers, other things. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, this week for our self-promotional send-off coming up on Monday, per usual, Mailbag Monday with myself and Lauren Rosen. We will have a new episode of Coat Check with Matt Murphy next week as well. And if you didn't have a chance to listen to the latest edition of Tom's Talks with Tom McGinnis, be sure to check it out. Catch us up with Mike Breen and Lisa Salters of ESPN. And as always, be sure to follow us on The Scoop, our feed for your daily five-minute update on the 76ers. Just search 76ers Scoop wherever you get your pods. Talk to you next week. See ya. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.